coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and there has been a slight change in plans today, as Curtis was originally scheduled to co-host the show with me. I told you guys that earlier in the week, but apparently his law school professors are trying to murder him this week. So I, of course, told him, don't worry about it. I don't want any more stress on his plate. Uh, So when I texted him yesterday to see if we were still on for recording today, his two-word response was very simple. It was, hell week. So he's taking care of business right now. He's got to take care of all that stuff first and foremost. But he will be back next week, so no no worries. We'll have him back here in a couple of days. But I promised you guys in that last episode that we would have part two of our signing day recap for you guys today. And that's exactly what we're going to do, whether or not Curtis can be on here. So uh, we already had to push this episode back for Monday so I can get back from running the marathon in New Orleans. I'm back uh, better than ever? Maybe? Probably not. No Stop legs. bragging. Shut up. I mean, there's no bragging going on. I'm just stating... You're bragging that you ran a marathon and that you're so much better than everybody else. We that don't is care. not what's... I, I am certainly not we better than everyone else. don't okay. care. I'm not even... I had like... There was at least three or four, about, I would say, 60-year-old men past me in that race. So I am certainly not better than everyone else. But uh, and I'm very dumb for doing this. My body's going to fall apart here one day. It's already happening. Anyway, we were supposed to record that show, but I told you guys I'd move things back a little bit. So uh, I didn't want to have to move things back again because we always appreciate you guys listening in, obviously, and all the support. So we don't want to keep pushing things back. So graciously here to help me make this possible today, obviously you guys just heard her come in here and roast me, is my coach, Charlie. I would say that I appreciate you joining us on short notice, but now I'm not so sure with how you open things up. You're welcome. Yeah, okay, sure, we'll go with that. Uh, and Charlie, I need while we have you, I need a status update. I'm going to keep asking you this until the answer is yes. Are you missing football yet? He's starting to. Our okay. basketball team is uh, horrible. Uh, insert any negative adjective you know. have, and that would work yeah, right now. Yeah, I was at the game last night against South Carolina. That We had the five points with six minutes left. And I was the saw number. on Twitter they, were, they scored like seven points by like the five-minute mark. Yep, and then I think <laughs> with about seven minutes to go in the first half, we had four points and eight turnovers. We had double the turnovers. As we had points with like 13 minutes into the game, so uh, that's always great. You win a lot of games when you do that. So uh, yeah, that was that was fun. So that hasn't been fun. So that that obviously has to make you miss things a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I did see that they introduced the early enrollees. During, was it halftime? Or yeah. The yeah. Well, it wasn't a great crowd like, early in the season. The mm-hmm. basketball crowd has been fantastic because there's a lot of excitement at the Edwards. But I walked in there last night and I was and I was like. Oh, so we're back to like the 2014 Mark Fox crowds. This is where we're back to. All the excitement has been squandered. All the momentum that we were building, uh, we have certainly let that go to waste right now. Hopefully, we can get it back. But um, it was, and I was, I know it's a 6:30 game. I get that, but still, it was very reminiscent of the 2014, 15, 16. So insert any Mark Fox year. Those kind of weekday crowds, which. Which was a shame, um, but so yeah, they introduced them, but it was kind of a lukewarm response. I guess they got more of an, more applause than the team got, but there just weren't many people there. But that was fun. It was fun to see those guys out there and uh, see them ready to get ready. Uh, get, I guess I guess get spring practice started here in a couple of weeks, which is a lot of fun. Of course, we'll have a lot of talk about that in a couple of weeks. But all right, in part one of our signing day recap, we looked at the bigger picture surrounding this number one ranked 2020 recruiting class. We discussed a bunch of things: the offensive lean of this class. 
Uh, it's clearly national composition, the merits of in-state versus national recruiting. And we also talked about Matt Luke's ability to keep a number of highly rated offensive line recruits in this class, doing some big-time work there for us. Uh, and then we close things out with a closer look at the defensive prospects in the class. And today, we're going to do the same thing with the offensive players in this class. Since there were so many of them, 17 of the 25 prospects that we signed in this class or at least slated to start on the offensive side of the ball. So we decided to break this into two parts. We have to rush through everyone and give the offense its own episode. And if you missed part one, what we did with the defensive prospects is discuss their skill set and then project their impact by debating whether their final ranking of the 247 composite was too high, too low, or just right. And so today we're going to do the exact same thing with the offensive players. So Charlie, we do have a lot of players, 17 of them to get through today. So let's go ahead and get this ball rolling. Okay, we're going to start at the bottom with the lowest ranked offensive prospects and work our way up the list. So first up is kicker Jared Zirkel, who is ranked in the low 2000s nationally in the 247 composite, but is ranked as a three-star prospect and as the number five kicker in the country. So, Tyler, is Zirkel ranked too high, too low, or just right? You know, this is a tough one. Uh, kickers are always tough to project, kind of like offensive linemen for me. But, I mean, he's ranked almost in, like, in the 3,000s. That's kind of crazy when you're talking about the number five kicker in the country. So, to me, I'm going to say too low, and it's not unusual. Like, there's no conspiracy against Georgia players here. Kickers are just routinely, year in, year out, ranked so low based on but but, but I, I and I, I guess it's because they, they try to say that these rankings are a projection they're based on like NFL futures and that kind of thing the kind of impact you're gonna have in college but like to me they they just screw kickers every single year because even like the top ranked kickers are usually low three stars sometimes even two stars and to me that's too low based on the potential impact that kickers can have especially a guy like Jared Zirkel who has a really, really good chance to be our starting kicker this year, which is kind of scary even saying that out loud, the idea of a freshman kicker uh, on, a, uh, on a, a potential national championship contending team. That does scare me. But he's a good kicker. I mean, look, I, I can't sit here and say I've watched a ton of film on him because, I mean, how much film are you going to watch on kickers? The, the question is, can you put it between the uprights? And what I've seen from him, he does it quite often. He's got a good reputation, number five kicker nationally. I'm not saying he should be in the top 100 or anything like that, but, like, borderline 3,000s, to me, that's a little bit too low here. I mean, I get kickers don't get the respect, and they're not on the field as much uh, as maybe some other prospects on the offensive or defense side of the ball. But I'm going to go a, sl- a little bit too low here because I think this guy's going to have a big impact on our team because he's probably going to be our kicker next year. All right, name to watch for. Next up is our last commitment in the 2020 cycle, offensive lineman Cameron Kenny from Collins Hill High School in Gwinnett County, just down the road. Yeah, Kenny is ranked here. a little higher than Zirkle, coming in at number 1,623 nationally. He was a last-second commit for this class, but was his final ranking too high, too low, or just right? You know, ah, this is a tough one for me. I'm, I'm going to... Kenny was a guy that, for what... And I can't quite understand for the life of me why he was so under the radar. When you pull up his huddle tape, pull up his highlight tapes, I like what I see. I, again, I don't. he's kind of like Zirkle. I don't think he should be like a top 100 guy or top, even a top 200 guy. But we're talking about 1,623. That's where he's ranked nationally. I, I have to say, and I know uh, you're probably going to hear this a lot from me, probably too low, too low, too low, because, hey, we're Georgia guys. 
uh, and gals, I guess. And uh, I guess we always lean that way. But uh, I, I do think Cameron Kinney is ranked a little too low. He's 6'3", 305 pounds. If you look at him on tape, he shows really good athleticism. He also has a lot of versatility. I think he can play center or guard at the next level. He can also play defense. He, plays, he played defense very well for Collinsville this year, if you watch his tape. So I think he's got some versatility there. He's slated to start on the offensive side of the ball, but could end up on the defensive side. That wouldn't shock me at all. And from all accounts, I do not know the guy, but from all accounts, everything you hear behind the scenes is he's a really good guy, really coachable, really good student, high-level student. He also plays in the highest classification in the state of Georgia, which is something that I really pay a lot of t- I put a lot of stock into that when you're trying to project these guys, when you watch their highlight tapes. Because what you see on highlights, what you're, you're seeing the, their best plays this season. You're not watching their entire games, right? So sometimes you see guys just absolutely dominating people, throwing little guys around like, like they're rag dolls. But because they're playing like in the lowest classification, guys that have no business being on the same field as them. But when you watch Cameron Kinney play, he's doing a lot of that, that type of stuff, but he's doing it against the top competition in the state, the highest classification. So I think that's something that should be considered as well. He certainly needs to get bigger and stronger, but uh, and I don't expect him to be a, a year one or maybe maybe not even a year two impact type guy. But I think give him a couple years to develop, get a little bigger, get a little stronger, uh, you know, grow as a, as a technician on the offensive line. I think he can certainly have be a guy that's starting potential for us. So for that reason, and, and look, if our look if, if he gets recruited by the University of Georgia, and, and our coaches say you're a guy that we're going to take, they're operating with a lot. I always say this: they're operating with so much more information than we have have to operate off of. They watch these guys in practice. They talk to coaches. They talk to uh, teammates. They talk to administrators, parents, all these things. So they know what they're doing more than we do. So if Georgia, if Kirby Smart is willing to take this guy, then I have to believe he's better than the number 1,623 ranked player in the country. So I'm going to go he's ranked a little too low there. Okay, we have one more member of this class ranked in the 1,000s, and that is Ladd McConkey from North Murray High School. He was another late commit the week of signing day, and he is ranked as a three-star prospect in 1,156 nationally. So what do you think about his ranking? Oh, it's definitely too low. You guys know how I feel about. If you listen to the show the past couple weeks, you know how I feel about McConkey. He was a guy that I kind of spotlighted as under the radar, a guy that we might end up getting late in this cycle. And lo and behold, we did we did end up landing his commitment. And uh, I was very very complimentary of him before he committed. I was even more complimentary after he committed. And I'm gonna do the same thing today. Definitely too low. Same story here. I'm not saying McConkey should be a top 100, 200, maybe not even a top 300 level prospect. But again, in the thousands, come on, let's be real here. Uh, he is undersized. There's no doubt about that. You look at the dude, he is small. He's got to put on a little bit of weight. He's six foot, about 170, 175 pounds right now. But uh, even though he's a little undersized and he's got to bulk up or he's going to get murdered, get broken in half, he is a dynamic athlete. He's not, And when I say that, I, he's not necessarily an elite, like, straight line speed guy, not a burner, but he has elite short area quickness. He's a, he's like in the, in the mid to high 4-5 range in terms of his straight line speed, but he's got a 4-1-2 short shuttle, and that's what we need from this guy. He's a guy that can just make you miss in space. He can run those option routes, those whip routes from the slot position. and just do a lot of things that we haven't really been able to do from the slot position because we haven't had a guy that really fits the skill set, matches the skill set that a guy like Lad McConkey brings to the table. And when you have a guy like Todd Munkin coming in from the NFL level, yes, I know he has a college background as well, but he's also had more than a cup of coffee in the NFL. He's going to bring some of those NFL mm-hmm. concepts where they make incredible use of the slot receivers. Look at a guy like Tyree Kill from, from the Kansas City Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not saying McConkey is Tyree Kill. Don't get me wrong. He is not. But he's he's a, a player in that vein where he has that short area quickness, not the biggest guy. Um, uh, now, he, I would say he doesn't have the straight line speed that Tyree Kill has. Tyree Kill has got... Sh- 
incredible straight line speed as well. But he has that short area quickness. I think he's a guy that we can do some things with in the slot that we have not been able to do before. Uh, and, I, and I said it before, I'll say it one more time here for anyone who might have missed this, that, that first show when I talked about McConkie. He's the kind of guy that I think if you don't take him, he wants to commit here and you don't take him, he ends up at a smaller school. Let's say he ends up at a Vanderbilt or he ends up at Kentucky, a place like that. He's the kind of guy that's just going to make you pay year in and year out every time he faces you. And it's going to make you wonder, man, how did we let that guy get out of state? Why didn't we take that guy? Man, that was a miss. So I'm glad we took him. I know he's not going to get people all hot and bothered because he's not a, a top 100 prospect, not a five-star guy, but I think he's a guy that can certainly be an impact player for us. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if he can put a little weight on it. I wouldn't be shocked to see him with some of the divisions we have at wide receiver and the fact that he gives us a, a little bit of a different skill set than what we have at, at, in the slot right now. I wouldn't be shocked to see him factor in the equation in some regard this year, even if it's maybe as a punt return or kick return. I think he can bring that to the table. Okay, moving along, offensive lineman Devin Willick was a player we took just a few days before the early signing period. He is a massive 6'6", 345-pound prospect, ranked 950. That's a big dude. Yeah. That's a big dude. 905th nationally. Is Willick's ranking too high, too low, or just right? I know I feel like I sound like, I sound like a broken record here. But watching this guy's tape, I like number 905, no, it's a little higher than some of these other guys that are in like the 2000s, but that's just too low for me. I, and, and he might, maybe he is a three-star prospect. That's fine. But I think he's a, he's a top, to me, a top 300 type player in my opinion. This is a guy, and it's not just me saying this. It's not just Georgia who thinks this guy is worth a scholarship. I mean, we flipped him from Penn State. He had some high major offers. Um, and I think he's... Uh, a guy that has really impressive feet for a guy that size, I mean, coming at 6'6", 345, to move the way he does on tape, it's impressive. Um, he plays with good leverage. He's powerful, very powerful, actually. Now, he does clearly, when you look at him, needs to shed some bad weight, or at least, at the very least, move some of that weight around. But in my opinion, watching this guy, now, without having seen him in person, but watching the tapes I was able to find of him, I think he's a borderline four-star type guy. Uh, I think you make an argument that he's a four-star guy or just a guy just on the edge of that, a high three-star, however you want to look at that. But I think he's a top 300, top 400 type player. And again, another guy that I don't think is going to make an impact right away, but give him a year or two to get his body in shape and uh, get a little stronger, then I think this guy could certainly be a contributor um, maybe in the next year or two. All right. Next, we have another offensive lineman, Austin Blasky. He is 6'5", 278 pounds, offensive tackle prospect from South Effingham, who is a three-star prospect ranked 526th nationally. What do you think about his ranking? I mean, 526, to me that sounds just about right. Mm-hmm. I actually, if you watch, if I, when I put Blasky's tape on, I put Willick's tape on, I put Kenny's tape on, I actually like... Willick and Kenny maybe a little bit better than Blasky, uh, and, and part of it is just his, fra- his his size right now. He's he's a little undersized. He's got a good frame. He can add weight, but he's six five, about two seventy eight, and that makes sense because he's a he's a high school wrestler, actually a championship wrestler in high school. Um, but he's just not quite there right now. I, I I think give him a year or two in the weight room here with our with our elite strength staff. I think he could certainly be a guy. That could grow into a contributor for us. I don't expect it to be in year one and maybe not even in year two either. But I do love that he's a championship wrestler in high school. Wrestlers always bring that level of toughness to to your program that I, that I love. I love having those kind of guys in your program. So I, I don't know. I think you make an argument for just right. But if I said that I like Willick and I like uh, McKinney a little bit better than him, let's go maybe just slightly too high. But, I mean, we're splitting hairs there. I mean, he's right around where he needs to be. But um, I would probably put Willick and... Uh, McKinney ahead of him, so I'll say maybe just a little too high for Blasky. 
Now we are moving into the four-star range, and the first four-star offensive prospect is wide receiver Justin Robinson from Eagles Landing. Love this guy. And he is a four-star prospect ranked 296th overall and is the 48th wide receiver in the 247 composite. So, Tyler, tell us about Mr. Robinson. You know, I, I think he, well, he's a, bit, he's a big physical wide receiver, first and foremost. Uh, 6'4", 200 pounds. In my opinion, my humble opinion... Since you've got me all messed up here, now I'm thinking I'm like bragging. I'm not bragging on nothing. Very humble opinion. Um, I think he's way too low. I I really believe that. I think he might be the sleeper of the class. Everyone likes to ask that question, like who's the sleeper that nobody's talking about. I th- if somebody asks me that question, I think it. I might point to Justin Robinson. I think he might be that guy. He's an early enrollee. He's already here on campus. I've heard really good things about what he's doing right now behind the scenes. Now I know obviously no practices have been had. They've just started. They've started workouts in the past couple of weeks. They're throwing some outside or, or actually more so in the indoor practice facility. But everything I've heard about him so far is that he's uh, he's all business. He's he's kind of turning some heads. What he's able to do out there, he's got a really big frame, which I love. He's to me one of the reasons he's he's not ranked like insanely low. I mean, he's a top three hundred prospect, a four star guy. But the one of the reasons I think he's not ranked any higher than what he is is because it's two things really. Number one, he committed very early, and those guys who commit early, it's a business thing for these recruiting services. They want to draw out the attention, they want to uh, draw all the uh, the drama for signing days. So when these guys that commit early, no one's really paying that much attention to them, especially if they're a solid. As, uh, as a commitment as Justin Robinson was to us. And he committed about a, a year ahead of signing day. So those guys kind of get just lost in the shuffle. No one really talks about them. I think that's part of the reason he didn't get he didn't move up much more in the rankings. And also, his high school just doesn't throw the football a ton. Eagles Landing just don't. They run the football a lot. So he didn't get as many opportunities to go out there and make plays and show what he can do. But what I saw from him, uh, watch this guy, uh, in, or at least on, on TV, uh, entire game. I don't watch him in person. Watch entire games on TV through the state playoffs and also watch his, his, uh, his tape out there on Huddle as well. He is, in my opinion, a guy who does not have necessarily elite speed. I think that's fair to say. He's not a burner, but he's got plenty good enough speed. But he has an, he has an incredible body. Just looking at the guy, like, oh, my God, that's what an elite receiver should at least look like. Very strong hands. He's shown the ability to go up and win at the top of the route, win those 50-50 balls consistently. And from all accounts, is another guy that I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about him. A really good dude behind the scenes. I think he is about a, a top 150 level prospect. So to me, I think number 296 is way too low for Mr. Robinson. I think he's going to be a, a pretty big time player for us. All right. Good insight. Thank you. The next prospect on our list is running back Dejan Edwards, the guy who took who we took to replace Zach Evans after that whole saga. That whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Evans? Who's that guy? Yeah. yeah never heard of him. Edwards is ranked 279 overall and the 21st running back. Is that too high, too low, or just right? You know, Curtis and I have talked about Dejan Edwards a little bit. I, I think that's just right. And there's a there's kind of a disparity in his rankings between rivals mm-hmm. And in two four seven, he in the two four seven composite, which takes all the ranks and accounts of, of the different services, he comes in at number two seventy nine, like you mentioned, Charlie. But in rivals, he's like a top one fifty guy. To me, that's too high. I don't see him as that kind of running back. But I think if you look at the two four seven composite, when you take into account all the different ranking systems out there, coming in right around number two eighty, that sounds just right for me. That's about right for him. He's five ten, about two hundred pounds. He does lack top end speed. He does not have elite speed. Uh, the guy I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we were talking about him that was kind of a comparison was, would be Elijah Holyfield. Now, it's certainly not an exact comparison by any stretch of the imagination, but there are some similarities. They both run hard. Neither one had elite straight uh, straight line speed. Uh, what Edwards has been timed at as a four eight one. 
Um, but he has, but they both had really good short area quickness. Now I know that Holyfield is a little bit, a little bit more powerful, more of a bowling ball, built differently. I get all that. But neither one had had elite straight line speed, but good short area quickness. Dacia Edwards has been timed at a 4-2-2 short shuttle, which is not elite, but very, very good. He also has great balance, which I think is something that's an underrated aspect of, of being a, a good a good solid level running back. He's also got good hands on the backfield, so he has some versatility there. And he's got a little bit of wiggle in the open field. So to me, I think he's a good, solid, complimentary piece. And if you're a good, solid, complimentary piece, I think you know top 300-ish level is about right for you. And he's another guy, I keep mentioning this, but you can very clearly see the kind of guys Kirby's trying to recruit in this class. And Kirby was actually clear about it in uh, one of his press conferences uh, after signing, I think it was actually a signing day press conference, about making sure that you go get guys that are good for your locker room. And he's kind of wisened up in his older his old age now. Now that he's, he's been not old. Well, I think that's the phrase he used. He's not old. Yeah, he's old. What is he like? He's not old. What, 40, whatever, 40, mid-40s? That's not, not old. old. Okay, well, older than I'm sure he wants to be, that I, older than I would want to be. And I'm going to get there for long. That's I, when, you, when you turn 45, you're not going to consider yourself old? No. Really? 45? No. no. And I'm sorry to everyone out there who's over 45 or right at 45. Hey, but when like, I grow up, I want to be retired. I'm so. I, I'm in my mid-30s, and I feel like I'm old. <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I'm insanely old. I, I look forward 10 years, I'm like, oh my God, I'll be 45? Okay, so he's not old or not. Kirby said he was wisened up in his advanced years, and uh, he understands the value of taking... Guys that are good locker room guys that are coachable that that want it they're gonna work they're gonna um, be respectful all those kind of things there's are gonna be headaches right and so Dejan Edwards in a lot of ways and I don't again don't know what kind of guy Zach Edwards is I don't know him but there's certainly some smoke around the whole Zach Edwards situation so you have to, uh, Zach Edwards Zach Evans situation um, so. In a lot of ways, you can look at Dejan Edwards and say he's kind of the antithesis of that. At least his recruitment was the antithesis of that whole Zach Evans fiasco. So um, I think that was certainly a factor in us deciding to take him. But I, I, he might not ever be a feature back, but I do think he'd be a good, solid, complimentary piece for us. And a guy that's probably going to be here for four years and be a guy that's going to do some good things for us moving forward. All right. So up next, we have quarterback Carson Beck, who at the very least has a very good chance of ending up as our backup quarterback this coming season. Yeah, I'd say if he doesn't win the job, odds are he won't be the backup. He steadily dropped in the rankings during his senior season at Mandarin High School in Jacksonville and ended up ranked as the ninth quarterback and the 248th prospect nationally. Tyler, I'm interested in your take on Beck. Is 248 too high, too low, or just right for Beck? Oh, man, okay. So there's certainly an argument to be made that it's just right for him. I, and, and if somebody went with that, I wouldn't put up too much of an argument. He did have a very rough senior season. At least statistically, his senior season was very subpar. You have to be straight up about that. But it, but it was a far cry from what he did over the course of his junior season when he led his team to a state championship. They led his team uh, to some unprecedented heights. Really, Mandarin High School has not been a great football program in the state of Florida um, he comes in as a transfer, basically, and in one year takes his team to a state title, and he was unbelievable in the playoff run to that state title. He threw for 3,500 yards, 39 touchdowns, 8 interceptions in that junior season when they won the state title. He lost a lot of his pieces around him offensively coming into the 2000, until this 2019 season, and his numbers dropped dramatically. He only threw for 1,800 yards, 49% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Now, his play did pick up later in the year, 
uh, which kind of coincided with a lot of those players that were young and experienced that he was working with, those new guys that he had around him, they got a little more experience, they got better, and his numbers started to improve down the stretch. But make no bones about it, any way you slice it, he had a rough senior season. And his number, and so his ranking, understandably dropped. And I think that's fair. But I go back to what he did his junior season. I think this guy is a winner. Uh, you guys, if you've listened to the show for uh, for a while, you understand I talked about Carson Beck back when he first committed. In his sophomore season, he was not the starter uh, at, at a different – wasn't that manner. Was at the school. I forget what school he was at before in Florida, but some other school in Florida – and they were they were having a rough year. I think they might have won one or two games prior to him taking over about midway through the season when the, their starting quarterback went down with an injury. He had basically no experience. Comes in and reels off. I, I think like five. I think went five and five and one over the over the last half of the season that year. Uh, put up some big numbers. Did some things that, that school hadn't done in a while as well. Then he transfers to Mandarin as a junior and takes them to, to the state championships. Something they hadn't done. I don't think they'd ever won a state title. If I'm correct, I could be wrong there. Someone maybe from Jacksonville can correct me on that. But I know they haven't had a high-level football program there uh, for some time at Mandarin High School. He comes in and right away, now he has some players around him, obviously, but he made the difference there. So I think this guy is a winner. He also had to factor in that he, last year was his first, I guess the past two years, the, I'll tell you that back, last year was the first time he really fully dedicated himself to being a football player. He was a high-level baseball prospect as well. He decided that football was his future, and he wasn't going to play baseball his senior season. He was going to enroll early. So I, I do think that impacted his development to a degree. I think now that he's fully focused on football, I think his best football is ahead of him. So I think two, like being ranked number 248, you know, borderline 250 prospect, I think that's fair, but I think that undersells what he can end up developing into in in the in the at the college level uh, here at the University of Georgia. I'm not saying he's going to win our job this year. I'm not even saying he's going to beat out Brock Vandergriff in 2021. Who knows? But I think he's got a better shot than some people are giving him. Uh, some people are just going ahead and giving Vandergriff the job right now. And he's a really really high level prospect. I'm really excited to get him in here as well. But Beck's going to compete, and I think Beck has the potential to end up. I think playing over that number 248th ranking nationally. So I'm going to go a little too low, in my opinion, on Carson Beck. Okay. Chad Lindbergh is a 6'6", 325-pound offensive tackle from Texas, ranked 140th nationally. Is that too high, too low, or just right for him? You know, Lindbergh, um, okay, so yeah, number 140 nationally, four-star prospect. I think he's number 13 offensive tackle in the country. Uh, yeah, and he's a big dude, six six and a half, three twenty seven out of Texas. I don't, this one I struggle with in offensive line. I was to me this is the toughest position to project because you're look you really have to factor in the competition level of competition they're playing against. And I know Texas plays some big time football there, uh, but when you watch him play, he does push people around. But a lot of those guys look way smaller than him and way smaller than the kind of guys he's gonna be playing against at the next level. So I know one forty. That's that's pretty high. So I might go say that slightly, ever so slightly too high for Lindbergh. To me, if you're a top 150 prospect, you're a guy that can come in year one and be a contributor, and I'm not sure Lindbergh is ready to do that yet. I mean, you can never count anybody off, and I hate saying that because I want all these guys to do well. I'm sure they could come back and bite me at the end of the day. Maybe he does come in uh, as a freshman and find some playing time. Um, but he's got really good power. Uh, he's a strong guy. He play, has a little bit of a nasty streak. Plays with good athleticism. But I'm just not sure he's quite a top 150 player. Because again, to me, a top 100, top 150 player, those are guys that have potential to come in year one and be a, a big time contributor right away. And I'm just not sure that is where Lindbergh is right now. I could see him in a year or two, like some of the other offensive linemen, growing into that. But I'm just not sure he's there yet. So I might go slightly too high at number 140. 
Okay, moving into the top 100 wide receiver Jermaine Burton, an early signing day flip from LSU, is a four-star prospect ranked 81, 80, excuse me, 81st overall in the 247 composite. Tyler Burton was a high-profile flip from the eventual national champion that got a lot of people excited, but is his final ranking too high, too low, or just right? Okay, Jermaine Burton, I'm very I'm one of those people, as you mentioned, that's very excited about our ability to flip him from LSU. Now he does have some ties here in the state of Georgia. Um, but he, he's most recently been uh, out in Calabasas, California, playing high school football out there. So number eighty one nationally, number fifteen wide receiver overall, four star prospect. You know, I think that's just right for Burton. Uh, he's six a little over six foot, about hundred and ninety pounds. He is a dynamic athlete. Uh, he's got a 4-4-3-40 on the books and a 3-9-5 short shuttle, which is elite short area quickness. He is, however, a little undersized at, at six foot, about 190 pounds. So for that reason, I'm going to say just right. Uh, again, but to me, a top 100 player, if you're number 81 nationally, you have the ability to come in right away and contribute. And I think Burton does have that ability, especially, again, with the deficiencies that we have at the wide receiver position. We have playing time available for any of these receivers coming in this year. And Burton certainly qualifies for that. Um, but even though he is a little undersized right now, he has the ability to be a very dangerous playmaker with that speed, with that short area quickness. I think this is a guy that certainly can contribute in year one and will be here. He might be a three and out kind of guy potentially down the road with that dynamic athleticism. But I, I think number 81, I'm going to go just right for him. We didn't flip our next prospect from LSU like Burton, but we did fend off a late push by the in-state Tigers for offensive lineman Cedric Van Pran after Sam Pittman took the Arkansas head coaching job. New offensive line coach Matt Luke was able to come in and solidify the commitment of the 59th-ranked prospect and number one-ranked center in the 2020 class. What do you think about his ranking? Okay, Cedric Van Pran. First of all, let me say I am ecstatic that we were able to keep him in the fold. I am very, very high on Cedric Van Pran. I think this guy has the ability to be a big-time player for us along the offensive line. So uh, for me, I'm going to say the number 59 ranking is too low. 6'4", 305 pounds, has good athleticism. And when, to me, like when you look at the teams that were after him late in the cycle, the Floridas of the world, the LSUs, all these teams coming hard after him, really making a push after Sam Pittman decides to make the move to Arkansas – that tells you right there, the dude's pretty darn good. That should give you an indication. That's one of the things you got to look at when you're, when you're trying to evaluate these guys. Is which coaches out there actually want him? Who is really going hard after him? And everybody out there wanted Cedric Van Pran. And uh, they all came out of the woodwork once, uh, once Pittman moved on. But got to give Matt Luke some credit. He was able to lock him down. And I love Cedric Van Pran. I think he's highly athletic. I think he packs a powerful punch. He's got a lot of versatility. I think he can play center or guard at the next level. I don't think he's a tackle prospect. I think he's an interior guy all the way, but he can play center. He can play guard. He is the number one center in the country, so it's hard to say you're ranked too low when you're the number one center. But centers, love those guys. Uh, they're typically not given as high of a ranking as the guards and especially the tackles because that position, at least when it comes to these these recruiting rankings, is not seen as, as important for whatever reason. But to me, Cedric Van Prain, I think he's a, a top 30 to 40 guy nationally. So I don't think he's like vastly underrated or anything like that. I mean, he's, he's still very highly thought of. 
But I'm going to go in terms of the impact I think that he can have on our team. I think he'd have a pretty early impact. It wouldn't shock me to see him compete for that left guard spot, maybe in the right guard spot. We'll see what happens with Ben Cleveland once he comes in here. I wish he was an early enrollee, but once he gets here on, on campus, I love the athleticism. I love the power he plays with. Uh, I like the versatility. I think he's a guy that can be a player for us. So I'm going to go just uh, that he's ranked a little too low at number 59. Our next prospect is speedster Arian Smith from Lakeland, Florida, who comes in ranked 58th nationally and is the number nine wide receiver in the class. Is that too high, too low, or just right for the 6'1", 170-pound wide receiver? Okay, Arian Smith. Um, that I'm just going to be straight with you. That is too low, in my opinion, for an Arian Smith. Kind of like Jermaine Burton. I get it. He's not the biggest dude. He's a little undersized, 6'1", 170. But man, oh man, that speed, that athleticism is just flat out dynamic. He's a 10, 300 meter guy. To me, and I, and I made this comparison before, I'll make it again. To me, he re, he reminds me a lot of Devontae Smith from Alabama. Very similar physical profile uh, in terms of their size and also very, very similar speed. He is rawish. He's certainly raw at that position. Uh, I think that's fair to say. That's the one thing I would say about Arian Smith if I had to critique his play a little bit is he's raw. He's not maybe the uh, most... Uh, polished route runner at this stage some things he's got to clean up on as, as a true receiver but in terms of his playmaking ability he has a chance to be downright scary as a playmaker for us on the outside I mean he is an absolutely dynamite athlete I mean I'm, I'm talking guys like this is a dude that's going to burn you he's absolutely going to leave you in the dust man so I think Arian Smith is a guy that can come in again Keep saying it, but it's true. There's opportunities available at the wide receiver position, and that's why we went out and got guys like Jermaine Burton and Arian Smith, Marcus Roseby that we haven't talked about yet, Justin Robinson, Lad McConkey. We had to add speed, athleticism, and ability, and we had to add dangerous playmakers at the wide receiver position if we want to take the next step, and Arian Smith is that. He's got to clean up his, his the, the technical parts of playing receiver, but in terms of his athleticism, the guy's dynamite. There's no doubt about it. So for to me, just based on speed and playmaking ability alone, I think number 58 is a little too low for him. Because I think he has the ability to be a, a big-time contributor as early as this 2020 season, in my opinion. Okay, next up we have running back Kendall Milton, who is already turning into a fan favorite with the way he and his dad smacked down rival fans on Twitter and also for the classy way he handled the recruiting process. Milton was originally a five-star prospect in the 247 composite, but dropped down to a four-star and 53rd nationally late in the process. So, Tyler, did they get it right dropping Milton as much as they did in the final rankings? You know what? As much as I love Kendall Milton, and, and count me among the people that you were mentioning that, that love him and his entire family, the way they handle the process, and the way his dad, his dad's name is Chris, Chris Milton, just he goes at it uh, in a respectful way, but he also defends his son and defends our university and our coaching staff uh, with, with, on Twitter. It's fun to watch. But uh, I, I think they got it right here. Uh, and I felt, I don't know, I, I always. I felt kind of bad saying it early in the process, like because everyone's so hyped him. He's a five star prospect. And I was, I always watched him. I was like, I don't know, man. Like he's really, really good. I'm really excited we got him. But is he like the level of a, of a Zamir White when he came out of high school before the knee injuries? Is he a level of 
like a Todd Gurley coming out of high school, uh, or even like a Zach Evans in this class. I, and I don't know if, or DeAndre Swift even for that matter. And I don't. And to me, the answer was like, I always like, I don't know. I just don't quite know if he's that level of a running back. But he's still really, really good. So I think coming to number 58 or 53, that sounds just about right for me. There is a disparity in uh, the two major recruiting services. Rivals has him at number 29. They still have him as a five-star prospect, while 247 has him at number 88. I think 29 is a little too high. I think 88 is too low. I think 53 split in the middle at the 247 composite does. This is why I always defer the 247 composite. I think that's just about right. And the reason I say that, and, and for those of you who are really excited about him, I'm not trying to pour cold water on that. I'm not at all. I'm really excited about this guy too. I think he'd be a really good player for us. And saying that, you know, he's top 53 or top 50, that's not too shabby. Those are anyone in the top 50, you are a really, really high level prospect. Um, but he does lack top end speed. He's, he's been, uh, I think the the best time that I've seen from him is a four, five, nine. I've also seen some time slower than that, but the best time I saw from him was four, five, nine laser time at a Nike opening regional or not Nike, but now just a opening regional. But even though he's four five, like a four five nine speed type guy, four low four six type guy, that's plenty fast enough in that frame. No, that's not elite speed, but in that frame with that size, that's plenty fast enough. And one thing I do love about him, and, I, and I've said this from the get go, and I still love it about him. I think he has really really good feet for a guy that size. No, not a, an elite speed guy, but really good short area quickness for a guy that's that big at coming in almost six two, two hundred fifteen pounds. He does run a little bit upright for my liking. But he's also shown the ability when he needs to to get behind the pads and run with some power. He also shows good vision, good balance, which comes along with the with the good feet. He's just not necessarily an explosive running back. So for, to me, if you're a running back and you're going to be in inside the top 50, you need to have some explosiveness to your game. And I, and I just don't necessarily see that from Kendall Milton consistently. So I think like a borderline top 50 prospect is about right for him. But it doesn't mean he can't be a really good player for us. It doesn't mean he can't contribute in year one because I think the guy can. Okay, just outside the top 50, coming in at number 52 nationally and as the number eight wide receiver in the country is wide receiver Marcus Roseme out of the powerhouse South Florida program, St. Thomas Aquinas. Tyler is Roseme. You're really proud of yourself saying that, right, aren't you? <laughs> Before the show, she asked me, he's like, so is that a Aquinas? Uh, Aquan? And I'm, it's St. Thomas I didn't Aquinas. Say Aquinas. I don't know I what you said. It wasn't that. Aquinas. Just tell us if Rosemi's ranking is too high, too low, or just right. Okay. I'm not, I'm just, you were the one cracking up here. I'm not trying to I call am. you out. Um, okay, so I wasn't going to say anything, by the way. Uh, all right, so Marcus Rosemi, uh, I am really, really high on this guy. Uh, number 50, and I know like if you're coming at number 52, you're essentially a top 50 prospect. It's hard to say you're ranked too low because those guys are big time prospects. And he's the number eight wide receiver coming in, uh, coming into, coming into the or in this 2020 class, I guess I should say. But saying that, even though he's ranked highly, I think that might be slightly too low for him. Uh, he's 6'2", 200 pounds, got a really good frame, a frame that's very similar to guys that have been really good for us in years past. Guys like Riley Ridley, J.J. Holloman. But I think he's more polished and game ready coming out of high school than either one of those guys were. Now he does not have elite speed. He does not have the uh, the speed of a guy like uh, Jermaine Burton or Arian Smith. He does not. He's got a mid four five speed. Uh, he ran a four five nine in February of last year, but that was in the cold of February, which is that's always tough. Uh, it's, and I'm not sure that he's really a four five nine. I think he's probably a low four five guy, um, maybe a high four four at best. But his short, and the reason I say it, I don't know if I really take uh, that 
40 time as seriously as maybe some other people do is his short shuttle time that same day was 438. And then five months later, in the warmer months, in the summer, he put up a 396 short shuttle. Uh, I don't know what it's, I couldn't find the, the 40 time for that day. I don't know if you, I'm not sure if you ran the 40 that day. But I, I like to think that he's at least a low 4-5 type guy when you watch him play. It looks like he has really good football speed. But regardless, even if he is a 4-5-9 guy, he has elite quickness uh, as that 3-9-6 short shuttle would suggest. And he's got really strong hands. Good frame, quickness, strong hands. And as a receiver, yeah, having elite speed is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, that explosiveness is awesome. You take the top of a defense. You have to have guys that can do that. And we have guys that can do that. But to me, elite short area quickness for a receiver is even more important than elite than that elite straight line speed because that's where route running comes into play. He's a very good route runner at this stage, good, strong hands, physical receiver, can win the top of the route and do a lot of things that we needed some receivers to be able to do last year that they just, outside of George Pickens and Cager, and Cager obviously we know didn't play that much, we had, nobody else could really do those things. Now we've got we're kind of rounding out our receiving core. You've got George Pickens. You've got guys like Justin Robinson, Marcus Roseby, who are the bigger, more physical receivers with good frames and go up and win those 50-50 balls. you got the explosive guys like Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith. you got a guy in the slot like Ladd McConkey could do some different things for us. So I really like the versatility that we're bringing into the receiving group this year. Um, so to me, I think Marcus Roseby is uh, slightly undervalued there. I think he's probably, a, to me, a top 30-ish level prospect in this class. So I'm going to say it's a little too low, even though he is highly ranked coming in at number 52. Okay, in the top 50, we have in-state offensive tackle Tate Ratledge from Darlington, who is ranked 37th nationally, and he is the number three offensive tackle in America. Is that too high, too low, or just right? You know what? Um... It's a tough one for me because, again, like number, we're talking about number 37. We're splitting hairs here. These are highly, highly ranked guys. But I'm going to say that's a little too low for Tate Rattledge. I think Tate Rattledge is a five-star prospect. Honestly, I'm not – and he's a borderline five-star anyway, but I think he's a true five-star prospect. And I, and a guy we haven't talked about yet who I'm really high on, I think he's going to be a really good player, is offensive, uh, offensive tackle Broderick Jones. But I'm not sure that Jones is all that much better than Ratledge. I'm really not sure. Uh, both guys think they're really high-level prospects and are going to have a chance to come in and play right away, especially that left tackle position. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch here. But I, I, to me, I, lo- I love the frame. 6'6", 322, moves well for a guy that size, has the ability to play left tackle or right tackle. Now, I do think Broderick Jones might have a little better foot quickness than Ratledge. I'll give him that. But right now, La- La- uh, Ratledge is a bigger guy. He's more physical. I like his punch a little bit better. Uh, he's got a good kick set. I like all that. Um, and he might be a guy that starts out at right tackle, potentially. But I think he could play left tackle as well. Um, so to me, I think he's a five-star guy. I really believe that. Number three off the tackle sounds about right. But uh, I would say he's slightly undervalued there. Again, splitting hairs. But I would go he's slightly, ever so slightly, too low. All right. Our first five-star offensive prospect on the list is tight end Darnell Washington all the way out in Vegas. Washington went public with his commitment at the Under Armour All-American game and ended the cycle ranked 23rd nationally and is the number two tight end in America behind Eric Gilbert, the Marietta tight end who ended up at LSU. So, what do you think of his ranking at 23? Okay, Darnell Washington, I'm. you guys know, I, I, I've talked about him before. He is a guy that I'm very high on. I actually liked his senior tape much more than I liked his junior tape. He's a guy that I watched as a junior. I was like, okay, this guy has got the he's got the the fizz, he's got the size, 
He's got the physical profile to be a really good player, but I didn't see him. Uh, you know, he didn't blow me off the uh, off the screen. I guess when I was watching him play, because I didn't see him run overly crisp routes. Uh, he didn't look overly athletic for a guy that size as a junior. But his senior tape changed my take on Washington. He looked like a totally different player his senior year. Uh, was running much better routes, showed a lot better athleticism. Was a guy who can go out there. It was like making people miss in space, moving really, really well for a guy at 6'7", 260 pounds. I mean, he's a guy. I had questions about him being that true like matchup problem at tight end. Uh, I always thought he was uh, of the guys that we were recruiting at tight end. The three big time guys: Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington, and Theo Johnson. Who ends up at Penn State. I thought Washington was the the guy that had the best chance to do the inline type stuff that we ask our tight ends to do. But I wasn't sure that he could go out and spread out and be that kind of matchup problem on the outside because I didn't think he was as as athletic as Gilbert and or Theo Johnson. And and he doesn't have the kind of speed that either one of those guys have. But you have to get in the context of the size of the frame he's working with. 6'7", 261. If you watch him move the way he moves at that size, absolutely. I'm ready to say right now, he is a guy that has the athleticism to split him out. And he could be an, a, a matchup nightmare for teams because he's, I think, too big. Obviously, way too big for any cornerback, any safety, any slot DB out there. And I think he's going to be too athletic and too quick for your average inside linebacker to be able to cover consistently. So I think he can be that type guy. So to me, he's a five-star prospect. And to come in at number 23 nationally, I think that's about right. I think you can make an argument that he's better than Eric Gilbert because Gilbert, he wants to, one of the reasons he didn't want to come here is we were selling him as a tight end. He wanted to be like a jumbo wide receiver, and that's what LSU told him he could be there. And I think he'll end up playing tight end for them. But if you look at their, what their offense was this year, with Thaddeus Moss, they were splitting him out, and he played in line at times, but he didn't do things like we asked our tight ends to do. So I'm sure they use Gilbert in a similar way, but I just like I have a hard time saying Gilbert is a tight end. He's ranked as the number one tight end in the country. I just I don't know. I I think he he could grow into a tight end if that's what he wanted to be, but he's a little undersized right now to do anything in line, in my opinion, at least at a high level uh, in college. And he wants to play receiver. So like the fact they call him a tight end, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, in terms of like true tight ends, I think that you can make a strong argument that Darnell Washington is the number one true tight end in this class because I think Gilbert might project more as a receiver. Um, but we're, we're splitting hairs there. So I'm going to say he's ranked just about right as the number 23 prospect, top 25 guy, still a five-star prospect. I think he's, I mean, he's got a chance to start for us this year. Trey McKinney, the transfer from Florida State, is going to have something to say about that as well. And we'll see how uh, Todd Munkin uses tight ends. Now, if you look at it in the past, going back to his days at Oklahoma State, he made a lot of use of 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends. So I think it, even if Darnell Washington doesn't end up as the starter to open the season, I think this guy's going to play a lot for us. We just don't have really anybody with much experience there at that position. And a guy that talented, we don't have guys you really have to jump over other than Trey McKitty. Uh, I think this guy's going to play a lot for us. So I think he's absolutely a, a five-star type guy, an impact, a year one impact type player. Finally, our highest-ranked offensive prospect in the 2020 class is another guy that we had to fight for late to hold on to after the departure of Sam Pittman, and that is offensive lineman Broderick Jones from Lithonia. Jones is a 6'5", 298-pound prospect who committed to the G back in April of 2018, but Auburn made a late run at him before Matt Luke did his thing and kept him in this class. So 11th is pretty high. Is that too high, too low, or just right for Jones? You know, I think that's just about right. He clearly, if you look at his his profile and watch watch him on tape, he's got the athleticism to justify a, a borderline top ten ranking. There's no doubt in my mind. He's been pretty stable there as a top ten guy through this entire process. 
Uh, he, he was committed for a long time. You're exactly right. And there, he wavered towards the end there with, with Sam Pittman going to Arkansas. But another big shout-out to Matt Luke for coming in and locking him down. Auburn was a big threat for him. But we were able to hold, serve, and keep him in the fold, which is huge for us, especially with some, with all the losses we have on the, on the offensive line. He's another guy like Tate Rowledge who's going to come in and com- have a chance to compete for a, a potential starting spot. Now, I always hesitate to, to, to put those kind of expectations on offensive linemen. I know Andrew Thomas started as a true freshman. Those guys are few and far between. Uh, it's just a physical position when you're playing against grown men in the trenches in the SEC. It's just really tough. Um, but Broderick Jones, I think long-term, uh, maybe as, as early, potentially as early as this year, but certainly uh, the 2021 season, I think he's going to be a big-time player for us. He probably is our left tackle of the future. I think that's, I don't want to say safe to say, but I think that's certainly a reasonable way to look at his potential and where he can kind of project moving forward. But I just don't know if he's going to come in and be a, a day-one starter like Andrew Thomas was. He needs to get a little bit bigger right now, add a little bit of weight, fill out that frame a little bit more. And that's one of the reasons I say I think Tate Ratledge is not that far off Roger Jones right now because Ratledge's frame is filled out pretty well. Jones needs to add a little bit of weight, get a little bit stronger. He is a little bit more athletic than Ratledge from what I've seen. But I like where Ratledge is physically right now in terms of his size and just filling out that frame. Jones needs to get there a little bit. And I fully expect him to once he gets here on campus. I wish he was an early enrollee so he'd already be starting that process. But uh, I have no doubt that he'll be in the thick of the, of the battle when it comes to um, our tackle positions in the 2020 season. So I think that's just about right for Broderick Jones. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for us here today. Charlie, you started the, the show by completely destroying me. You got anything else for me? You want to wanna throw out anything else you hate about me before we get out of here? No, I was very thorough... Oh, so I did something right. Yeah, that was very thorough. But I, but I can't say that that it would be bragging deep, if I said I did that well. It was a deep dive into the recruiting class. Yeah, gotta love recruiting. We, we live for that stuff here. But uh, all right, guys, we really appreciate you taking the time, as always, to listen to us here on the show. If you have any questions or have any input, if you disagree with me somewhere, we'd love to hear that on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. always love that interaction. And uh, we always appreciate everyone who uh, rates and reviews the show on Apple Podcasts. We've had a couple more ratings come in the past couple weeks. We really appreciate that. I do want to give a shout I'm pulling it up right here on my phone as we speak. Dan Marcone and Fisher JH are the most recent listeners to throw out some really kind uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts. And guys, we really, really appreciate that. I just want to make sure to give you guys a shout out there and uh, anyone else that we missed. We appreciate that. So uh, any and all positive reviews are certainly appreciated. Uh, any feedback really is appreciated. If we're not doing well, that's 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 cool. We get it. Uh, if there's things we can do better, we want to know because we want to produce the best show we possibly can for you guys. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. Curse will be back next week. And as always, go dogs.